Good morning, friends. Today is Monday, February 17th, 2020. Our readings um, for this morning are Psalm 89, verses 1 through 18, Genesis 31 through 24, and 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. I hope you all don't mind, but this is our first day, well, I guess first official day, right, because we had the weekend of um, midwinter break. I've taken leave and Jack has off school. He's still sleeping and I'm sitting snuggled up with a shawl and blanket in the living room. And so I'm going to be sitting here sipping my coffee that I've just made and visiting in with you guys. So this is a little bit, not that Not that the podcasts are ever formal, but if you hear me slurping in the background, please excuse the additional informality today. I've got a great day planned. Um, I've got a meeting with my spiritual director, which I'm really looking forward to. I really enjoy those times. I've got some time with Jack, some time with another good friend, helping her out with a project. So I just think today's going to be a wonderful day. I even get to see my chiropractor today. I hope that today is as wonderful of a day for you. And if you, like me, find yourself with anything that is trying to snatch your joy, remember what we talked about with reconfessing or actually avoiding reconfessing um, compulsively sins and fears. I claim victory in Christ. I've already prayed about that. It's already with God. God, where would you have me focus my prayer? Where would you have me focus my action? In this day, in this moment. And in this moment, I, I believe we are called to focus on the daily office. So without further ado, friends... Nations shall come to your light, and rulers to the brightness of your rising. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Creator, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your word made flesh, our Savior, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will 
and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. God has shown forth her glory. Come, let us adore them. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to them with psalms. For God is a great God and a great ruler above all gods. In their hand are the caverns of the earth and the heights of the hills are theirs also. The sea is God's, for they made it, and their hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee and kneel before God our Maker. For they is our God, and we are the people of their pasture and the sheep of their hand. Oh, that today you would hearken to God's voice. God has shown forth her glory. Come, let us adore them. Psalm 89, verses 1 through 18. I will sing of your steadfast love, O God, forever. With my mouth I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to my servant David. I will establish your descendants forever and build your throne for all generations. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O God, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to God? Who among the heavenly beings is like God? A God feared in the council of the holy ones, great and awesome above all that are around him. O oh, Lord God of hosts, who is as mighty as you, O God? Your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. You crushed Rahab like a carcass. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it. You have founded them. The north and the south, you created them. Tabor and Hermon joyously praise your name. You have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand, high your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Happy are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O God, in the light of your countenance. They exalt in your name all day long and extol your righteousness. For you are the glory of their strength. By your favor our horn is exalted. 
for our shield belongs to God, our ruler to the Holy One of Israel. Praise to the Holy and Undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Genesis, chapter 30, verses 1 through 24. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. And she said to Jacob, Give me children, or I shall die. Jacob became very angry with Rachel and said, Am I in the place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, Here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her, that she may bear upon my knees, and that I too may have children through her. So she gave him her maid Bilhah as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me, and has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she named him Dan. Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again, and bore Jacob a, se a second son. Then Rachel said, With mighty wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister. And have prevailed. So she named him Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children, she took her maid Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Then Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son, and Leah said, Good fortune! So she named him Gad. Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son, and Leah said, Happy am I, for the women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. In the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? Rachel said, Then he may lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come into me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night, and God heeded Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my hire because I gave my maid to my husband. So she named him Issachar. And Leah conceived again, and she bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good dowry. Now my husband will honor me, because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. Afterwards she bore a daughter, and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel, and God heeded her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son, and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she named him Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle Q, a song of Christ's goodness. Jesus, as a mother, you gather your children to you. You are gentle with us as a mother with her children. 
Often you weep over our sins and our pride. Tenderly you draw us from hatred and judgment. You comfort us in sorrow and bind up our wounds. In sickness you nurse us and with pure milk you feed us. Jesus, by your dying we are born to new life. By your anguish and labor we come forth in joy. Despair turns to hope through your sweet goodness. Through your gentleness we find comfort in fear. Your warmth gives life to the dead. Your touch makes sinners righteous. Lord Jesus, in your mercy heal us. In your love and tenderness remake us. In your compassion bring grace and forgiveness. For the beauty of of heaven may your love prepare us. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from 1 John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. We declare to you what was heard from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testify to it, and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Creator and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Creator and with the Word incarnate, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Christ and proclaim to you, that God is light and in God there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with God while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as God their self is in the light, God themselves is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and all and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, the one who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Christ a liar and Christ's word is not in us. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. I'm going to use today an affirmation of faith that is under development by the amazing worship committee at my church. I was blessed, I'm blessed to be a part of that committee and was particularly blessed this past Saturday to attend a meeting where in addition to planning all of our Lenten services, we also did some really wonderful work on inclusive language in our affirmation of faith and um, in associated liturgy. And so this is Um, I wouldn't say truly draft because we all agreed on the verbiage and agreed to submit it for um, permission to use in our parish by our bishop and then also um, to the greater church for potential use elsewhere. But we have not yet received that permission yet. So 
um, because I'm, I'm blessed to be able to say, um, to have such freedom in the daily office, I, I'm going to start using it here. And I, I very much value what you think, um, especially as I know a lot of you are not particular Episcopalians or even maybe particular churchgoers. So I really, I appreciate the feedback because inclusivity is, is about, in my mind at least, getting out of our own way with some of the prob- pro- problematic pieces of our language, right? Like English does not have a singular gender neutral pronoun. That is an issue. Now, of course, now that they has been accepted into the dictionary, is a singular gender neutral pronoun. I suppose that that we have that as well, but that can get quite confusing. So it is it is a daunting task to to try to marry the spirit of the liturgy and um, the sacredness of the text and the beliefs of the church with also overcoming the limitations of language to be inclusive. So with that being said, give me a second and I'll, I'll find it. And then I, I shall use it here with you. So thank you. And I've left my hard copy in the car, so I'm going to be reading out of email here and remembering. How we translated. Oh, we believe in God, the one, the father, mother, mild, the nurturer, the teacher, kind, cradling their cosmic child. O we believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of pure love, who in our human hearts enshrined sheds kindness from above. O we embrace the holy breath, the spirit, wind, and fire, who strengthens us with grace and power to follow love's desire. O we believe in God who's one, creative passion and redeeming love, and living well of kindliness. Amen. Now that is a metrical version in common meter. And we have an amazing musician at our church um, who has also um, has, a, has a tune that he's written that goes with this, which is really cool. There is another non-metrical version, but I happen to prefer the metrical version. So thank you for that, friends. Hear our cry, O God, and listen to our prayer. Let us pray. Our Creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your nation come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the nation, the kingdom, 
and the power, or I'm sorry, for the nation, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. We'll use Suffrages Set A on page 97 of the Book of Common Prayer. Show us your mercy, O God, and grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O God, in all the world, for only in you can we live in safety. God, keep this nation under your care and guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let not the needy, O God, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and sustain us with your Holy Spirit. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life and to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through the might of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Gracious God, almighty and everlasting creator, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin, nor be overcome by adversity. And in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose. Through Jesus Christ, amen. Let's use as a prayer for mission the prayer of St. Francis. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. And now is a time for particular prayers. Um, so let's pause and let's lift up in prayer those who are on our hearts or our lists to pray for specifically. O merciful God, who has taught us in your holy word. <laughs> Sorry, that you do not willingly afflict or grieve your children. Look with pity upon the sorrows of your servant for whom our prayers are offered. Remember, remember them, O God, in mercy. Nourish their soul with patience. Comfort them with a sense of your goodness. Lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace. Through Jesus Christ, amen. O God, 
whose parental care reaches to the uttermost parts of the earth. We humbly beseech thee graciously to behold and bless those whom we love, now absent from us. Defend them from all dangers of soul and body, and grant that both they and we, drawing nearer to thee, may be bound together by thy love in the communion of thy Holy Spirit and in the fellowship of thy saints. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. O blessed God, you minister to all who came to you. Look with compassion upon all who through addiction have lost their health and freedom. Restore to them the assurance of your unfailing mercy. Remove from them the fears that beset them. Strengthen them in the work of their recovery. And to those who care for them, give patient understanding and persevering love. Amen. And now some particular healing prayers from Enriching Our Worship, Volume 2. Strengthen your child, O God, to go where they have to go and bear what they have to bear, that accepting your healing gifts at the hands of surgeons, nurses, and technicians, they may be restored to wholeness with a thankful heart. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Blessed Jesus, in the comfort of your love, we lay before you the memories that haunt your child, the anxieties that perplex them, the despair that frightens them, and their frustration at their inability to think clearly. Help them to discover your forgiveness in their memories and know your peace. Touch them, O God, and fill them with your light and your hope. Amen. Christ, light of light, brightness indescribable, the wisdom, power, and glory of God, the word made flesh, you overcame the forces of Satan, redeemed the world, and then ascended again to the Creator. Grant us, we pray, in this tarnished world, the shining of your splendor. Send your Archangel Michael to defend us, to guard our going out and coming in, and to bring us safely to your presence, where you reign in the one holy and undivided Trinity, to ages of ages. Amen. Holy One, you do not distance yourself from the pain of your people, but in Jesus bear that pain with us and bless all who suffer at others' hands. Hallow our flesh and all creation. With your cleansing love, bring healing and strength to us, and by your justice lift us up, that in the body you have given us we may again rejoice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now, then, is our time to share a few thoughts on our readings. So I really think that we can identify with Psalm 89 because um, 
at least according to my commentary here. It is a plea that God will remain faithful to the covenant with David. Written when the king was important to national life, the 10th to the 6th centuries BCE, this community petition, so it would be said together, asks God to honor the ancient promise to give victory to the Davidic king, so someone who is descended through that line, for that promise has been called into question by an ignominious defeat. So the reason I think that we can identify with this is, don't we sometimes set out on a path that we believe we really discern is blessed by God, and then somehow there is a setback or what we perceive as a defeat and we start to call the whole thing into question and we come back into prayer and we're like all discombobulated you know you you and I friends have talked about this recently where I've said that you know it gets really chaotic in the attacks of the enemy and we get kind of lost in the fog of war and the best thing that we can do is hearken back to the last time that we had a sense of peace about the direction in which we were moving forward and kind of re-vector from there, you know, like go back and recenter ourselves rooted in faith and love. Obviously, we've talked about that bit a lot, right? Um, so I think that, yes, we can identify with this and, and we could even pray as, as part of this community when we feel that our cause that we believe to be godly is failing. For as the psalmist said, God is above all. And I would add that if we haven't seen it come out right yet, then it's not finished. And this to me is what perseverance in prayer truly means. Not compulsively reconfessing but praying in faith into what we believe God's will praying in faith in the victory of Christ our Old Testament reading man this feels like a story that we've read before right here we are um with the descendants of Abraham and Sarah. And we're back with the same story of barrenness and giving maids to husbands in order to bear sons. And I don't know if, if, if you're familiar with The Handmaid's Tale, um, either the book or the show, although I haven't watched the show, I've only, I've only read the book. Um, the place that this goes when you take it literally and try to act it out in modern life is a really scary and terrible place. So I think first of all, it's awful that in those days women were valued pretty much only by their ability to bear sons. And also that women were all treated as property. 
but especially women servants. I mean, can you imagine giving a maid to a husband as a second wife in order that she would bear children and you would take them as your own? It's just, it's really awful. The way my commentary puts it is the pathos of the conflict between women is expressed through folk explanations of the names. Like Sarah did, Rachel and Leah give their servants to Jacob as surrogate wives. And the reason that the mandrakes are important is that they were a potato-like plant and the roots of which were thought to have or the mandrakes are the roots of a potato-like plant, which were thought to have aphrodisiac properties. Dine is inserted here as an afterthought. And I think it goes along with what we've been talking about lately, about um, not understanding... current context and causal relationships and so sourcing everything back to God so like obviously Rachel and Jacob don't understand they don't have knowledge of what causes a woman and particularly Rachel, why she's not able to conceive at this time. And, and so Jacob says, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? And so this is a really both literal and kind of folk narrative way of viewing God's sovereignty in their lives in that everything good and everything bad comes directly from God. So there's no room in this conception of God for things like free will and its second and third and fourth and so on order effects, right? I personally do not believe that God causes barrenness or sickness. I believe that God is taking all things and working them together for our good, for our utmost and for our highest good. But I believe that when God created the world, created us, gave us free will, we had impact on the world around us, on generations. I mean, I think that I think the way that we have treated the world is in the way that we have interacted with the world and the things that we do, our, do to our bodies and ourselves and like 
our lack of understanding, because even now we don't understand, like for example, we have very limited understanding of how our brain, brains work. So we're doing things that impact ourselves with the foods we eat and the places we live and the chemicals we dump into the environment. All of this stuff has huge impact. Um, and it gets very convoluted. And I think that it's an oversimplification to say God did it. And then as we talked about yesterday, if it is negative, well, then it must be punishment for my sin. in order that we might have some control over it. And what's really interesting is that we're looking past the pieces that we do have control over. In most cases, friends, I think, I don't want to suppose, but I think all of you I'm talking to right now, we have control over the food that we put in our bodies. We go into grocery stores every week or every day or whatever frequency, and we choose we have dinner every night and we choose. I was reading in um, Anamkara, which is the book I'm reading in my, spirit, my personal spiritual direction, in which I'm the directee. And it talked about us getting out of sync with our own life's rhythms. And I think that that's part of it, too. I don't mean to go way down this rabbit hole about, about cause and effect, but I do think, I think it's important. And I think that, as with everything else, we <clears throat> enter into connection with God and pray and ask the Spirit for understanding. I believe the Spirit gives us understanding. I believe the spirit can help us with where, again, back to something we were talking about at the beginning of this session, where we can and should affect change in our lives by our actions and where we should focus our prayer, where we should focus our energy and our attention because I think we get caught up too and we can't do all of the things, right? For most of us, it's impossible to, we have some constraints on our lives. It's impossible to do all of the healthy practices, right? Um, All of the different kinds of physical activity, all of the different kinds of what are supposed to be healthful diets, that kind of thing. And this verse that we kind of, that I kind of got stuck on here, forgive me for that, is related to verse 23, where she says, Rachel says, God has taken away my reproach. And this is, this is really, I think, it's imposing our context on God. Um, Rachel, in her culture, in, in those ancient times, um, really, women who did not bear children, that was seen as a very terrible thing. Not only might, not, might that not be the case now, but also it might not be the case to God. 
what we think is, is the most terrible and embarrassing and humiliating thing to God might not be awful or negative at all. It might be a window of opportunity for great blessing. And I, I don't say that lightly, and I mean more than taking something that is evil and using it for good. I, I'm thinking more about um, those particular differences that we perceive as making us less than ideal but actually is, is part of the texture and richness of our individual authentic selves. That's kind of more what I'm thinking of in the moment. But I believe it applies to, to more places than just that. So thank you for bearing with me as I kind of wax on about that one. Lastly here, our New Testament reading. So um, this first letter of John and the Joanine community. So we could get really caught up in this but I think I think actually and I know I've been reading to you a lot from my commentary lately but I think it 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 really puts it well here so what it has to say particularly about verses 8 through 10 false teachers who reject the saving death of Jesus may have claimed that true believers were sinless such teaching makes God a liar verse 10 Verse 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar and God's word is not in us. How fascinating that the Johannine community was dealing with some of the same stuff way back then that we're dealing with now, thousands of years later. I'm pretty sure that you guys have heard that message in one form or another before that once we're born again, were then sinless and all kinds of verses of the Bible have been misinterpreted. Even the one that we read the other day about Jesus and the woman, the well, or the, the woman who was being stoned, go and sin no more. The truth is that we are human. We sin, we have darkness and light, and that is the way God made us. And just because And yes, we are transformed and we are made new when we come into relationship with God. The holy sacraments are more than just traditions and observances. It means something to be baptized. It means something to confess sin. It means something to to take communion. But what it doesn't mean is that there's like a magic wand that's waved and then we never make another mistake, then we never err again, then we never sin again. And the fact that we're human and we fall short and that we are imperfect does not make us less holy. We, in our Christian culture, really get this wrong, I think. We mistake perfection for holiness. And this is something that I learned from my spiritual director, so I want to give her credit for it. And, and we do ourselves a major disservice because perfection is unattainable. And to vainly strive for perfection keeps us 
from holiness. In the introduction, in the commentator's introduction to this book, it says this under interpretation. First John speaks only indirectly about the views of dissidents denying truths about Jesus as Messiah, as coming in the flesh and as bringing salvation through his death. The author treats their departure, this is the dissidents' departure, from the, commun- from the communion of Joannine believers as a violation of the love command, equivalent to Cain murdering his brother. In addition, 1 John corrects false understandings of sin, holiness, and forgiveness. And I think that's what this passage is doing here. So I've made a commitment over the last, uh, I don't know, month or so to turn away from the futile striving for, for perfection and instead turn to an accepting of holiness, a focus on becoming holy. And I would invite you, my friends, to do the same. Um, There is a definition of holy that I don't think captures everything, but I think is useful that I read in Anamkara, a book of Celtic wisdom, which is written by John O'Donohue. It's what I referred to the other day. Let me find it here real quick. Oh, I opened right up to it. I must be supposed to share it with you. To be holy is to be home, to be able to rest in the house of belonging that we call the soul. This dovetailed really well with um, something I've been working on in therapy, which is to feel safe inside my own self. For me to be safe with me. We are safe with God, friends. Our bodies and our souls should not be set, should not be pitted against each other, but are instead all part of the same being that God made us. Anamkara speaks also of the body residing within the soul, as opposed to the soul residing in the body as we've come to think of it. And I think that that is valuable and interesting as well. And if you're interested in a meditation on this, there is one that we've found useful. Let me see if I can find it for you now, and then that'll be what I leave you with, my dear friends. Close your eyes and relax into your body. Imagine a light all around you, the light of your soul. Then with your breath, 
Draw that light into your body and bring it with your breath into every area of your body. This is a lovely way to pray because you are bringing the soul light, the shadowed shelter that surrounds you, right into the physical earth and clay of your presence. One of the oldest meditations is to imagine the light coming into you and then on your outward breath to imagine you are exhaling the darkness or an inner charcoal residue. People who are ill can be encouraged to pray physically in this way. And I would say that we all have illness of some kind. We all have wounding of some kind. When you bring cleansing, healing, soul light into your body, you heal the neglected, tormented places. Your body knows you very intimately. It is aware of your whole spirit and soul life. Far sooner than your mind, your body knows how privileged it is to be here. It is also aware of the presence of death. There is a wisdom in your physical bodily presence that is luminous and profound. Frequently the illnesses that come to us result from our self-neglect and our failure to listen to the voice of the body. The inner voices of the body want to speak to us, to inform us of the truths beneath the, beneath the fixed surface of our external lives. And that again was an excerpt from John O'Donohue's Anamkara, a book of Celtic wisdom. Almighty God, creator of all mercies, we, your created and co-creators, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by the grace of Jesus Christ, for the means of grace, and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days through Jesus Christ, to whom with you in the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. Glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. We live without fear for our creator has made us holy, has always protected us and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.